I see that uh, I see that people are a little upset at the ten month rape guy. <laughs> I'm not laughing about rape. Everybody relax. I'm not. I'm not laughing about rape. There's nothing funny about rape. Rape is not funny. But it is kind of kind of ironic, just a little. It is kind of ironic that um, we kind of talk about criminal justice reform. And we talk about um, judges being able to have some type of leeway with what they give people as far as sentences, like minimum and mandatory, things of that nature. And when a judge, whether it's good or bad, uh, gives somebody a sentence that people don't like, uh, they are outraged and they say, wow, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's wrong. And it makes you kind of go, oh, wait a minute. Um, I get rape is bad, horrible. But if you're going to uh, lobby and you're going to scream and you're going to yell and you're going to say we need to do away with ma- uh, minimum, mandatory minimums, you need to be able to put the discretion in the judge's hands. A judge has to be able to say, I think this person is showing remorse. I think this person um, should get another chance. If we're lobbying for that, we then can't be upset when a judge does exactly what everybody is lobbying for. And you can't base it on the crime. You can't say, well, what, what, what we mean about that is drugs, our theft, petty larceny. That's, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about murder. We're not talking about about, you know, selling an ounce of weed. Well, again, rape is horrible and child molestation is beyond horrible. Murder is pretty bad, too. But you can't push for a law to change or you can't push for criminal justice reform, but have all of these nuances, well, if it's a black offender and he has crack cocaine, uh, then the sentence should be this. If it's a white offender uh, and it's crack cocaine, the sentence should be that. Now, if we're talking about rape and the rape involves uh, a 80-year-old lady and it's a black offender, then it should... 
you, you can't do that. If the concept is criminal justice reform, and we need to be able to have judges use their judgment, their discretion, what they feel in their hearts, it has to be across the board. And when we lobby for that and we push for that and we say we need that, we can't then scream and yell when a judge does exactly what we want him to do because we didn't like what he did. Can't do that. It's insane. I know it sounds horrible, but you can't go, yeah, but this is different. This is rape. You, you just, you can't. You, you, you can't do that. If you want criminal justice reform, you want to be able to put discretion back into the judge's hands, and you want a judge to be able to say, you know what, these are different circumstances, these are issues, if that's the case, then you have to want that across the board. You can't pick and choose. That's like our, I mean, that's how we've become who we are as a society. I mean, and Obama, and, 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 and it's not, it's, it's a evolution. I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years and years. Obama was just the architect, so to speak. He, he was able to, to build it. All the pieces have been there. All the everything that we're going through now, the pieces have been there. They they've been created twenty years ago, thirty years ago, forty years ago, fifty years ago, sixty years ago. Obama just picked up all the pieces and put it together, and that's where we are now. That's where our society is. That's what we've become. I call it the the pick and choose society. We pick and choose what we want to be outraged about. We pick and choose what issue is important, even though the outrage and the issue more than half the time is the same. So you have two things to be outraged about, but one of the things we give a pass to, the other thing, we go full meltdown because Obama has created this society now where one thing is acceptable and justifiable and the other is not, even though they're the same thing. And that's where we are. And that's my two cents on uh, the raper, the rape kid that got three months. You're either going to Support criminal justice reform and doing away with mandatory minimums or mandatory maximums and leaving it up to judges. And you're going to do that across the board and you're going to support that across the board. 
we are going to go back to a system where you write down on a paper. I know it's old school, but you write down on a paper and, okay, murder gets you this. Drug dealing gets you this. Hit and run gets you this. You just list every criminal act, and these are the sentences. There's no wavering. There's no nothing. Everybody follows that. There, rape gets you this. Selling crack cocaine gets you this. Selling marijuana gets you this. If you happen to live in a state where marijuana is illegal, oh well. You're going to go to jail for two years. If you lived in California, nothing would happen. Go move to California. So we're either going to do that, or people just need to help if they like a outcome. Can't scream for reform, and then when somebody does what you want them to do, you're outraged because it's something that you didn't like the outcome of. And it's an issue that offends you. So there's my two cents. All right, so Gretchen Carlson, the new report, and we've talked about good old Gretchen before. So let's talk about her again. It's always fun to talk about Gretchen. And that being, she, she has tapes of Roger Ailes making sexually inappropriate comments. She recorded them with her iPhone. Now, once again, I will restate and... When I read this story, I'm going to restate it much, much, much more forcefully. It says that Carlson started sneaking her iPhone into meetings with Ailes in 2014. 2014, we are halfway through with 2016. So for about two and a half years, Gretchen Carlson had no problem, absolutely no problem dealing with whatever Roger Ailes and the people at Fox were doing as long as she had a plumb spot on Fox News, as long as she was a featured player at Fox News. I mean, guys, 2014... 2014, if you are an emotional wreck, if you have been sexually abused 
if you've been sexually harassed, if, you, if you've gone through all these things, I don't know if she said sexually, I don't, I don't know if sex was ever involved. So let me re, 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 retort. If somebody's been making sexually suggestive remarks, like I think you and I should have had sexual relationship a long time ago, then you'd be good and better, and I'd be good and better. Somebody's been doing this to you and saying this to you and treating you like this since 2014, and you continue to work there, it's obvious that you didn't have a problem. It's obvious you did what you did for the day that you got fired or something bad went down with anybody at Fox. And in turn, you had a nice, Retirement fund Awaiting for you Because you don't Continue To be the star Of a program And Get sexually harassed And Record it If there is Nothing else Or no other motive that is in your mind and it lasts two and a half years. It's almost like it's almost like every single mystery or suspense movie you've ever saw or somebody holds on to some micro tape or microfilm and close to the end of the movie they whip this out or they reveal to the main character I knew this day would come I knew this day would come And because I knew, I have documentation of every payment, every nefarious individual, every photograph. I have it all in a lockbox. And I said, if anything happens to me, go to this lockbox. Because you will see the evidence that ties you, you, into my death. So go ahead. I mean, that's what Gretchen Carlson did. I mean, that's what she did. And because Roger Ailes 
is a Republican because Roger Ailes is the architect of Fox News, the media, CNN, MSNBC, the whole crew, are painting this entire situation as poor Gretchen Carlson. She was being harassed by this big, bad, evil conservative. She was tortured. She was abused. And eventually, and eventually, she just couldn't take it anymore. And that's not the case. It's not the case. Not the case. This is obviously somebody who was prepared. This is obviously somebody that worked the system at Fox News. It's obvious that Gretchen Carlson, from day one, had no problem with what was going on there. And obviously, the problems developed when she was fired. When she was given the boot. When she was given the hee-haw. So, there's my Gretchen Carlson two cents. There it is. Good old Gretchen Carlson. Let's switch to Caberjack. Now, we talked about uh, Caberjack. Talked about Caberjack in the beginning of our show. I think it was Monday. Now, what's funny, once again about this whole situation, and it mirrors, it mirrors the Black Lives Matter terrorist organization, and that being, there is nothing organic, there is nothing spontaneous, there is absolutely nothing heartfelt about what Cabernac did and or Black Lives Matter for that matter. Because remember Cabernac Cabernac and I don't want to rehash the life of Cabernac. But when the guy was on top, when the guy was being compared to the second coming of Joe Montana and Steve Young, when the guy was doing commercials 
was Russell Wilson. When the guy was a game away from appearing in the Super Bowl. When the guy was calling another player the N-word. He didn't really seem to have a problem with the way black folk were being treated and the inequality in America as far as it pertained to black folk. He didn't really care too much about black folk back then. Seems like he only cared about black folk when his career started to go in the toilet. Seemed like he only cared about black folk and being anti-American when he got involved and converted to Islam. Seemed like he only cared about black folk and inequality and social justice and Islam when it seemed like he could lose his job as a quarterback for the 49ers. Everybody has been talking about how Kaepernick sucks now and it's not just this year but last year he was horrible he was horrible and he's not the quarterback to ever uh, pop up almost out of nowhere do good for a few seasons and then crap the bed. It's almost like a one-hit wonder. Almost like a one-hit wonder. And what Cabernet did with this whole controversy was put himself in a position to where if the Niners fire him and remember who's the coach of the 49ers Chip Kelly remember when Chip Kelly was at the Eagles remember the heat Chip Kelly got by one of the star players who is no longer there. I think he's actually in Buffalo. And that was basically Chip Kelly didn't like black people. Chip Kelly was a bit of a racist. So, Cabernet, and let's not forget 
whether it's Tabernacle or Eli Manning or Philip Rivers, they have agents. They got money people. They got a whole group of individuals that make money from these people, the Cabernacs and the Eli Mannings. They make money from them making money. So it behooves them to keep that client making money. Because a cut player, regardless of guaranteed money or signing bonuses, eventually is not a cash cow for that agent anymore. If you are not playing in the NFL, if you are cut from a team, you essentially are a dying business. So at the end of the day, and this is a theory, it's just a theory, at the end of the day, you have a player who's on the verge of being cut. You have a player who's on the verge of being irrelevant. You have a player that's on the verge of becoming Vince Young quicker than Vince Young. And a whole bunch of people that are associated with them will be out of money. So, what do you do? What do you do? You have a coach that's already been labeled a racist. You align yourself with two groups that the media says are constantly oppressed. Maligned, abused, being Muslim and black. And you put yourself in a position where, hey, if you fire me, the questions will be asked, are you firing me because I suck? Because I'm really worse than the other two quarterbacks that are on the roster? Or are you firing me because I'm a Muslim? Or are you firing me because I'm part of Black Lives Matter? Are you firing me because I will not say Pledge of Allegiance? Because I sat on the bench. And I'm ultimately, I'm ultimately exercising a right that people who fought for the American flag 
people who died for the American flag, afforded me to do what I'm doing. So, go ahead, Niners. Make your move. Just a theory. Just a theory. But let's face it. Colin Kaepernick from last night is a different Colin Kaepernick from a week or two ago. The Kaepernick that sat on a bench away from the players, away from the sideline, defiantly sitting on a bench while the national anthem was being sung is a lot different than the Colin Kaepernick that just kneeled while the national anthem was going on. And the Colin Kaepernick that said, I'm going to donate a million dollars to charities that support social justice causes. Yes. So this organic, this, 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 this spontaneous protest, as far as I'm concerned, was a play to keep his job. It was a maneuver to keep that money flowing in to his camp. And to have other players like Eric Reed. Jeremy Lane from Seattle, Reed from the Niners, to do the whole kneel is, again, nothing spontaneous. Nothing spontaneous at all. And it highlights, once again, this quandrium that the left is in as it pertains to Trump when he says, black community, vote for me. What do you got to lose? You've got nothing under the Democrats. Look at your communities. Look at your schools. Look at the things that you have. Compare them to the things that other people have. And you've been being told year after year by the Democrats that they will give you all of these wonderful things, but they never do. They never come through. And as Trump says this, 
and the left starts freaking out going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if, what if 10% of the 98% that voted for Obama and the 90% that are supposed to vote for Hillary, what if just 10 or 15% cross over and vote for Trump? We're done. It's over for us. Oh, no. Oh, no. We got to get out there and say what Trump is saying is wrong. So then Eugene Robinsons and the Charles Blow and the rest of the black liberal activists say, wait a minute, the black community is doing fine. There's just tiny, tiny little pockets of crime and poor schools and unemployment rates at 10 and 11%. Tiny little pockets. The majority of the black folk live a comfortable middle-class life. And then Cabernet does his whole kneel down. And then these players that I named do their kneel down. And word is, numbers could continue to grow. Numbers could continue to grow. And if that's the case, the quandrium continues for Democrats. Because you can't have three messages. You can't have three messages. You can't have four messages. Which is message one, pre-Trump. Black community is bad. Black community gets to short it under the stick. The black community can't even get good roles in Hollywood. The black community can't get good roles in TV. Black community gets treated bad in sports. Black community gets treated bad in schools. Black community has no jobs. The black community is oppressed. The black community gets killed by cops. The black community is practically extinct. Trump comes along after black activists repeat these things for the last 10 and 15, 20 years and says, you're right. You guys are going through these things. You're right. They are horrible. They're dreadful. Look at Chicago. Look at Dwayne Wade's cousin. Look at all these horrible, horrible things. And then those same activists say, whoa, 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 whoa. not good, not good, not good. Hey, black community's good. We're good. Trump is feeding into stereotypes. He's wrong. He's wrong. He's wrong. That's three messages. And now Kaepernick is on the verge of maybe having hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of football players taking a knee while the national anthem is being played 
to protest all of the horrible things that are happening to the black community. And all of those horrible things have been happening under a black Democrat president. It's a quandary, my friends, for the Democrats, and we'll see how it plays out. All right, it's the Rob Scary Show. We're done. We're out of here. It's over for us. Uh, guys, thank you for joining us on this wild week. We've had fun. We've had ups. We've had downs. Uh, we played with the Periscope. We'll continue to play with the Periscope next week. We'll continue to try to make the Periscope better. Go to Spreaker. Go to our Facebook Go to um, Blog Talk Radio. Go to our website, The Rob Zakari Show. Go there. Listen to the program. Watch the program. Read our stories. Um, I don't know. All the above. You guys have been great. We will see you Tuesday. We will be off Monday. I know. I know. Don't get too sad. But, yes, we will be off Monday. All right, we'll see you Tuesday. It's Rob's Carey Show. You guys are the best. See you.